With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. Joining me as always is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? Doing great. How's you? I'm doing great. Thank you, of course, to Sherwood and BetMGM for supporting this podcast. Uh, this is always one of the most popular times for this podcast is when we start talking about all of the season previews. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, uh, we got the yearbook here. You can see behind me, you got the yearbook cover. It's obviously one of our favorite issues of the year, one of the best issues of the year. It kind of talks about everything you need to know about uh, about the season and everything kind of going on with the players and stuff. Of course, there's also the fantasy guide. If you're into fantasy, that just came out too. Um, and so the format of this, as we've always done, is we go for the division. So we go from this. Today, we'll be talking about the Pacific. Um, for the next episode, we'll be doing the Central, and then we'll go to Metro and, and everything like that. So we'll be going from order from worst team to best team. But before we do that, how was your week? My week was pretty good. School is back in session, so the house is quieter. But nice. uh, otherwise, yeah, love and life. Well, I've got a nice person doing construction above my condo at all hours of the day. And it happens every few months, but this one, it's directly above my apartment. It's all day just hammering and everything, and it's awesome. I love it. Uh, the building I live has been getting construction outside on the front basically since I moved it. And most of the construction goes right underneath where my window is. So I hear construction all hours of the day. So when I go to visit my parents or, or visit my girlfriend's family out in the middle of nowhere, it's nice to actually sleep. In these <laughs> cases, I don't. So uh, it was an early morning this morning. But we're here to talk about hockey. We're here yeah. to talk about uh, the teams in the Pacific Division. An interesting one last year that was considered probably the weakest division. And, you know, the Oilers did some very good stuff this year, last year. And are they even one of our favorites to win the Stanley Cup? You could find out in the yearbook. So if you want to do, if you want to follow along with us, if you have your copy of your yearbook, start looking at the team pages, and we're going to start with the San Jose Sharks. I'll give you a second to get your copy. Perfect. All right, you got it. All right, the San Jose Sharks. We have them coming last in the conference, and this is one where I get it. Um, the team is in, in a tough spot right now. They just traded away Brent Burns. We knew that was a potential to happen. Um, they. Brought in a new GM, Mike Greer. Uh, so this is a bit of a different look team. But I guess we got to start off with what do you like about this group? Well, they do still have some pretty solid veterans on the squad. And, you know, you look at the forward core, you look at Thomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer and Logan Couture. You know, like these are guys that are legitimate top six players. Uh, you know, they bring a lot of experience. They bring leadership. And, you know, then, of course, on the back end, you still have Eric Carlson, who obviously is not what he used to be in his Ottawa Senators days. Um, you know, Mara Ferraro was a, a great partner for Brent Burns uh, the past couple of years. Obviously, he'll need a new uh, partner on the back end. But, you know, there's there's some talent there. So, you know, I, I don't see a lot of ceiling for the Sharks, but I don't think they're going to be a disgrace by any no. means. You know, they're going to be competitive a lot of nights. I, I still think this is the sort of team that is trying to fold in some younger players and, you know, try to get the most out of guys. Like, you know, if Kevin LeBanc has a big season and, you know, he's not young anymore, but uh, he's one, you know, younger compared to the, the other veterans, you know, that would go a long way. And, you know, if a player like William Eklund, um, you know, makes something happen at training camp, that would be pretty great for them. Uh, but it really feels like a team that needs to continue loading up on assets. And then, of course, the X factor in net, Capo Kakonen, um, you know, can he be, uh, you know, an everyday goalie for them? This is a team that for a long time was running kind of 
but they were a contender every year. They made the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. So they weren't able to build this really strong prospect base. And they're kind of starting to, to feel that with the group. And William Mecklen uh, is looking good. And, and they're, they're starting to get better. Um, but right now is kind of what we saw as a result of this team being competitive for so long mm-hmm. and, and not really kind of being able to do what they could do. I do like Kapokakin in it. This is a guy that, you know, last year wasn't playing great. Uh, in Minnesota, and they the Wild went out and made a nice upgrade and went on and brought Mark Andre Fleury in. But for for Kakin, I think that this is a guy that you know he's shown a lot of promise. And when he's had these little runs of of like special play, he's been very good. And I think that that's a great spot for the yeah. San Jose. And let's not forget, James Reimer was still a pretty good backup goal the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that to me is an interesting position. But I guess if we're looking at the downsides of this team, there's not a lot of upside. <laughs> If I'm looking at it. Yeah. Way. And they are sort of stuck in that mode right now where, I mean, part of it is they have some big contracts uh, that you cannot get rid of. Um, but then you also, you know, they've had a couple of waves of prospects that haven't quite panned out. Uh, so any kind of rebuild that we might have expected to blossom in the past two or three years really hasn't happened yet. So now you go to the next generation and, you know, I, I thought they had a, a pretty nice draft, um, but we're still, you know, kind of waiting on some kids to break through on the Sharks uh, from the sort of more recent prospect pool. And, you know, again, like guys like William Eklund, Thomas Bordalo, um, you know, Ozzy Weisblatt, you know, these are players that you, you kind of hope like, okay, maybe they get some time this year. Um, you know, maybe it's more about, you know, AHL seasoning, um, you know, but you'd like to see them sooner than later because you want to get some kind of traction there. Right now, it feels like a team that's kind of neither here nor there, and, and that's why they're probably going to suffer in the standings. What's the X factor for this team? Well, I think the X factor is, you know, the continued growth of, of, of Thomas Hurdle. And, you know, he was a big uh, name last year, you know, talks of would they trade him, would they re-sign him? Um, You know, if if he can continue to grow as a player, then that's obviously a huge boon for them because uh, he can be such an effective center and he can produce for you. So for him, you know, what's what's the what's the ceiling offensively and and what's the ceiling in terms of what he can do as a two way player? I think that's a big X factor. Yeah, for me, I'm going back to the goaltending there. I think that you're looking at you. San Jose started off really well last year, and Aiden Hill was looking good, and James Reimer was looking good, and that was a good start for me. Uh, bringing in Kakin, who's still trying to prove he can be number one goalie, I think is something where that to me is exciting. San Jose's had some years of questionable goaltending, uh, Martin Jones, uh, namely, but so they'll need someone to kind of stand up. But I do like um, what Kakin could do here. James Reimer's a good backup. And then I also do like the fact that we are going to be looking at uh, Will and Michael getting a bit of time and seeing what he can do. That's it for San Jose. Let's talk about the Seattle Kraken. No. This is a team that literally last year was completely fresh, no expectations for them. And that, I think, was kind of cool uh, because we get to see a team that Vegas felt, again, we, we've talked about this before, but Vegas felt like a fake new team because they were amazing right off right. the bat. Seattle felt like a proper new team, and we're going to see that the foundation of that team grow, and mm. I, I think they'll win the Cup probably before Vegas gets that opportunity. But it's it's going to be another trying year. But before we talk about the kind of the downsides, what are you looking forward to with this team this year? Well, I'm looking forward to the Kraken actually scoring this year. Uh, this was <laughs> something that you know we knew they would struggle with uh, during their maiden campaign, and they certainly did. But you bring in Oliver Bjorkstrand, you bring in Andre Burakovsky, who's you know coming off a Stanley Cup with Colorado. Um, you know you're going to have uh, Yanni Gord right from the beginning this time. You got Matty Beniers and Shane Wright as two dynamic young centers that are responsible enough that they could both very well make the roster and have either you know the sort of top two roles or sort of the middle two roles um, at pivot. Uh, because they, they still don't have a lot of options at center right now. Most of the skill is on the wings when you talk about Jordan Eberle, Jaden Schwartz, Jared McCann. Um, you know, the, the defense is looking okay. Um, I, I would say, you know, in goal, Philip Grubauer, um, obviously a, a tough season for him in Seattle, and he's going to want to bounce back. And I think with a little more cohesion on this team, 
uh, that'll help. But yeah, they, they definitely need Grubauer to step up. Um, but I think the offense is looking a lot better now than it did at this time last year. Yeah, having Bjorkstrand's going to be a good one. Having Jerry McCann for a whole season will be good. Uh, Matty Beniers, if we get Shane Wright, like you mentioned. Um, and they brought Burakovsky, like you said. So, like, that's a that's a pretty solid actual top six. Because yeah. uh, you also got Everlay. You've got um, uh, Mobius Weber, I've already said. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Ditch Jane Schwartz. So, like, this is actually not a terrible offensive team. This is a group that, yeah, they're going to put up some pools. And um, the... Uh, do do they have at this point a guy that's going to be the true standout forward this year? Because the thing about Beniers and, and, and Wright, if Wright makes the team in particular, is those guys are still pretty young. And while oh, yeah. they could end up actually be maybe one, two in scoring on this team based mm-hmm. off of their talent level, um, I, I'm a little concerned there's no guy that's really taken the reins here. Yeah, and I, I think eventually Beniers or Wright can be that player, but the expectations shouldn't be that high right now because – as you mentioned, they are still so young. I, I think you know Bjorkstrand and Burakovsky are, are kind of those guys where they're not the guy on a team, but they are you know great uh, you know sort of secondary options there. And and again, you know when you're talking about an, ex- an expansion team like Seattle, guys kind of have to play up from their roles uh, that they're used to. And so who knows? I mean Bjorkstrand. Maybe he has a breakout season with the Kraken because he's getting opportunities that he didn't in the past. Um, it, there's certainly the chance for guys to step up here. And, uh, you know, you look at what Beniers did. He was red hot when he came into Seattle uh, after his season with the University of Michigan finished. So, I mean, he definitely has a path to the Calder Trophy. He's going to get the opportunities. Uh, he can put up points. We've already seen him look very comfortable in the NHL. So, you know, is it too much to expect him to be the guy this season? Maybe, but, you know, could he be the guy next season? Sure. I guess for the downsides, for me, looking at this blue line. Yeah. Not exactly. When you look at Adam Larson, Vince Dunn, Jimmy Alexiak, Justin Schultz, not the most inspiring top four. Yeah, and, you know, they traded away Mark Giordano at the deadline. Um, And, again, this is a team that – they don't have a lot of depth uh, in their pipeline because they're just building it right now. There, there isn't really anybody that you would look at and say, okay, well, they can step up and take big minutes. Um, you know, as it is, their AHL team in Coachella Valley is just being created right now yes. as well. This will be the, the Firebirds first season. So, yeah, defensive depth, really kind of tough right now where, you know, I, I don't see – a really solid top six. And, and I guess more worrisome is I don't see options if a Vince Dunn or an Adam Larson gets hurt. Yes, that's true. The the other thing on top of that is you then need your goalie to step up. And mm-hmm. you mentioned Grubauer. You really got him. He's got to have a complete 180 from what last year was. Yeah. And which was a 180 from the year before that with the, the Colorado Avalanche. This is a goalie situation where you got Grubauer and you've got Martin Jones and eventually Chris Jeter will return. Uh, he is hurt. That's a crowded uh, crease, but I, I, I think even with how kind of rough Martin Jones's career has been the last little bit, I still think he's a, that's a good guy to have as a backup because he's like, you can't go wrong when you've had a guy who's been a starter for a long time in their career as your backup, mm-hmm. and you're gonna get there and he'll he'll probably push Grubauer a bit, but to me that's the X factor how Grubauer plays. We're not expecting great things from this team, but they're they're in the fight for Connor Bedard and Matthew Mechkov. Won't be completely shocking, but you you want to keep showing steps. You want to keep showing that this group is going to go somewhere, and uh, in that case, you need the goalie to be better. So, what's your X factor for this team? Yeah, I, I would agree on Grubauer, um, but just to just to be different, I I'll, I'll say Shane Wright. Um, okay. You know, if he can step up in training camp and and be that responsible two-way center that he was in junior, then that opens so many doors uh, for the Kraken because his ceiling is higher than some of the other centers they have outside of Beniers. You know, I'm, I'm kind of already penciling in Beniers as their number one guy. Uh, whether or not he's on the literal first line or if he's just spiritually the number one center, that's sort of how I picture it in my head. Um, but... Shane Wright, for me, is right behind Beniers. And so if he can prove that right away, then that would be great for the Kraken. 
All right, that's the Seattle Kraken. Let's talk about the Anaheim Ducks. This is a team that I think is going to be so much fun. We've talked about them before. This is a group that's got Zegris. It's got Drysdale. It's going to have McTavish, likely. It's going to, like, this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch over the future. Troy Terry shows up, and I don't think anyone expected him to kind of have the impact he did. Um, will John Gibson be there all year long? I think that's a big question for this group. So uh, when you're looking at what you like about this team, I think I know what you're going to say pretty easily, but what will it be? Well, I, you know, I, I like the the different elements they have, and you know, like starting with John Gibson, I was going to kind of joke if if you ask him if he's leaving Anaheim, he will yell at you. Uh, John Gibson has been very vehement that he wants to stay with the Ducks. And has he yelled at you about that? <laughs> no, because I'm smarter than that. Uh, I would not ask such a question when I already know the answer, uh, because he's already said it, right? Um, so for me, I mean, they've they've got a, a great goalie, you know, somebody who obviously hasn't really been supported as much in the past couple of years as the Ducks have been rebuilding. Um, but, you know, you bring in John Klingberg on the defense core, um, you know, maybe that's kind of a temporary thing. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, I, I think John Klingberg for now gives them a lot of value down the road. Who's to say? Um you know, Trevor Zegras, obviously, you know, fantastic dynamic talent. Yeah. Um, you know, the depth down the middle is okay. Uh, you know, big opportunity for Ryan Strom. Uh, I don't see a lot of offense on the wings right now yes. outside of Troy Terry. And that would be my worry is that, um, you know, and depending on what you do with Mason McTavish, right? I mean, he is a center. But if you wanted to put him on the wing just to get him into more of a scoring role, uh, then obviously you have that flexibility. I, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. I think there's going to be games they lose that they shouldn't, and there'll probably be some games they win that they shouldn't, uh, where they can kind of just get by on their guile. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly going to be a fun team to watch. I do have a bone to pick with Trevor Zegers, though. Uh, 46 is my like, my favorite number. I use that whenever five's not available in sports. Uh-huh. Um, and he was one of the very few 46s in hockey. And when I think of the best 46, unfortunately, the first one that comes to mind is Roma Polak. So finally, we had a guy who was going to represent the number really well. And right. then he switches to 11. Ah, uh-huh. Come there. on, man. There's a lot of 11s. He's a big Sakakoyu fan, I'm guessing. Um, for me, I like the fact that this team does have so many good young talent that that's going to really start to show. And, and they're giving them the opportunities. They're not going to just, like, like obviously, Zegers now in his second full season. Yeah. Kind of his third year, if we count the like the 24 games he did before. Um, and I think that Zegers is going to have a huge role, and we're expecting these young guys to have roles. If McTavish makes the team, he could be top six. Like, he could be playing a big role almost immediately. Um but my downside to this team is also the fact that there's so many young guys kind of running this team. Yeah. And uh, when you're looking at, like, you got Zegris, you got Troy Terry, uh, you got guys like that. Like, you expect those guys to be so important. But then you're missing out on the Ryan Getzlaff factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're missing out on some other, uh, even Ricard Raquel, these guys that have been around for a while and could be the kind of the veteran presence of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's a little concerning that it's going to be very young. But... Uh, it's for for this kind of the same reason why I like it, which is they'll get the opportunities. Yeah. Are all the young guys ready for that opportunity right now? That's the question. But what are your downsides? Well, yeah, I I still think that depth is an issue. Uh, You know, you look at the defense core and there's a lot of exciting young players um, on that defense core, but are they everyday guys right now? You have this sort of interesting mix where you have the veterans like Klingberg and Cam Fowler and, and Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, and then you have a lot of young guys. So can those young guys fill in? I mean, maybe there's enough of the veteran presence that you can kind of pair guys off and it works out. Um, but, you know, this is a team that, you know, when they lost Hampus Lindholm, I mean, that was pretty big. And, I mean, I mean that blue line, it used to be kind of one of the envies of the West. Yeah. And now, you know, no Hampus Lindholm, no Josh Manson. You know, it's, it's been a couple of years since they've really been at full strength. And I think they're still kind of replenishing. And this will be a, a great year for those kids to get experience. Um, but how well they perform is going to be very interesting to watch. And Klingberg being there is a good addition, but he's there for one year. Yeah. He could even be a trade deadline acquisition. Very so, much so. And then you're looking at what this team's going to do. So we're not expecting playoffs for the Ducks. But they're building something here. Mm-hmm. And I think, to me, when you're looking for a building team, you're looking at a team with uh, goaltending. Um, 
that you build around the goaltender. And I'm not really sure. Like, if John Gibson gets hurt or even traded at this point, obviously they'd probably bring another goalie, but mm-hmm. Anthony Storlaz and uh, Lucas Dostal are not exactly my number one goalies that I'd be looking for for the Ducks. So mm-hmm. you, you want John Gibson to play really well. It's hard to remember that he actually was in an all-star game last year, but they were a little low on goalies, I guess. Yeah. Um, but um, Gibson needs a big bet rebound here. Mm. Not only for the duck's sake, but if he actually is going to be traded at some point, he he'll need to really boost his value. Mm. He's the X factor for me on this team. Mm. For X factor, I'm going to go with Jamie Drysdale uh, because this is, I mean, a dynamic young talent that I mean, you and I have been watching him for years because he played in the OHL uh, and just in the GTHL before that. Um, I, I think that. If he can take another step forward, that really helps that blue line. And you look at the ability uh, to move the puck there with guys, you know, like all the veterans can move the puck. Klingberg, Fowler, Shattenkirk, you know, uh, Drysdale is so good and he's so smooth out there. If you look at the Colorado Avalanche and how they succeeded, you know, their blue line core was so mobile, had so many guys that could transition the puck. And, you know, yes, they had some, some big guys there. Uh, they could be physical as well, Josh Manson, ironically, being one of them. Um, but they could really get the puck up the ice quickly and contribute at both ends. So if Jamie Drysdale can, can take another step this year, that's going to really help them out. All right, so the Anaheim Ducks, not going to be your year this year, but it's a group that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, completely unrelated, I, I realized, so we have the monitor for the computer here. It's an ultra-wide monitor, and I have a picture of Mark Giordano uh, on Seattle. I probably should update that. I guess because so. he does not play for Seattle anymore. So uh, Anaheim, yeah, not your year yet. It'll be at some point. Uh, all right, the Vancouver Canucks. This is a team that is continued to boiling towards something, and they've got a very good goaltender, Thatcher Demko. They got mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes on defense. We know that uh, the offense. They signed J.T. Miller long term, and that's a key thing for the team's future. The question of what's going to happen to Bo Horvat. Uh, they got Brock Besser. You got Elias Patterson. This is a group that's. It's starting to really get excited about. So when you're looking at it, what what's exciting you specifically? Well, I, you know, this is a team that I, I feel like I've had high expectations for them the past couple of yes. years because of all the elements they've had. And I think with Bruce Boudreaux coming in as coach, you know, we, we saw the immediate impact that he had. And, you know, they started doing a lot uh, better with him. But it just blew my mind that people were saying, trade JT Miller. It's like he got some, like, down-ballot hard. Yeah, he was amazing. He was great. But and, which is also why they were saying, like, we could trade him, get him made, made I, trade, but you yeah. don't get the value. That's the problem for a guy like that. Exactly. Like, it's very hard, you know, unless you do a blockbuster trade like Matthew Kachuk and, you know, Jonathan Huberto. It's very hard to trade stars for stars. Um, but yeah, like, you look at, you got your goalie in Thatcher Demko. You've got, you know, your number one defenseman in Quinn Hughes. Uh, who is that prototypical modern NHL defenseman, the Kale McCarr style mm-hmm. of guy. Um, you know, Elias Pettersson, like, we're still waiting for him to get back to, like, peak. Yes. Petey, as it would peak be. Peak for a young guy, but yes. For a young guy, yeah. Like, we've seen what <laughs> yes, he can be, yes. right? And I think Brock Besser, you know, he's had a lot of uh, challenges off the ice lately. Um, you know, just sort of a lot of tragedies with his, his loved ones. I, I think... He'll be in a better place right now. Um, so maybe we can see the Brock Besser that we expected to be, you know, a consistent, maybe even 40 goal scorer in the NHL uh, back in the day. But JT Miller, Bo Horvat, I, I love that combination down the middle. I, I think for the Canucks, they really just have to put it all together. And I think they, like, I, I'm very torn on this team being a playoff group because I think that it, it might. I don't love that defense core, Fair. but and we will talk about that in a minute. But uh, they just got so many exciting pieces here. Where I'm liking the the, the depth on this team a bit with Ilya Mikheyev coming in. I think that mm-hmm. will be he's probably not going to go out there and get the, the production he had last year in Vancouver, and that contract will probably be criticized as the year goes on. But he's someone where uh, I, I think he makes that team better. And if he works with a guy like Pod Colson, like you're not paying Mikheyev to put up a ton of goals, and yeah. this is a guy that's actually known more for having rocks for him than like scoring goals. But he had a, he had a decent offensive year. Yeah. Um, maybe he helps kind of boost Pod Colson later or deep in the lineup. There's Niels Hoglander. So this is a group that, again, I, I like where they're going. They're not there yet, but I like where they're going. And the fact that Bo Horvat potentially being in a trade can really change things this year. It'll be interesting to see how that's 
that's handled. Um, but on the downside, again, I'm going with the defense. And it's Quinn Hughes having to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And because, again, all of Rackman Larson, we know he's he's a very hit or miss and a lot of miss, unfortunately, in the last couple of years. And then Tyler Myers is Tyler Myers. Luke Shen might be a, what, the fourth defenseman on this team? Yeah. Uh, so that's – Luke Shen's a good def- – a decent defenseman, but I'm not sure I love him playing a lot of either. I like him more in a third-parent defense. So that group still needs to be improved a bit, and they're probably not going to do it anytime soon. But that's the downside for me. That's what hurt, takes them down a peg for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think that, you know, a, it's a great opportunity for a player like Travis Dermott who, you know, I thought that – he had some good times in Toronto and then he ran into that situation where the Leafs, you know, particularly in the playoffs, because the stakes were so high in that first round the past couple of years, they couldn't give a guy like Dermot and to a lesser extent Rasmus Sandin mm-hmm. as well, you know, they would sort of pull them when things got hairy. And it's like with players like that, I would prefer to see them kind of go through the fire and come out battle tested. Mm-hmm. And just unfortunately, with the situation where they were really pressing to win, obviously they did not. Um, mm-hmm. I think it kind of hindered the development. Uh, but I think you know Dermot coming to Vancouver, you know having a new start, um, you know, and and obviously Vancouver is a pressure packed market as well. Don't get me wrong, but he'll have the whole regular season to kind of sort himself out. Maybe he finds chemistry with somebody. Um, you know, I mean, maybe that maybe it's a pairing with Luke Shen, who's like a, you know, the the defensive defenseman, the the physical guy, where you can let Dermot kind of freelance a bit because he is pretty good moving the puck up the ice. Maybe that's a fit there on a pairing. Who knows? Even if it's your third pairing. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot that falls on Quinn Hughes's shoulders. But you know, he's had a few years in the NHL now. Maybe we see him take a step up. So. I'd love to see them add somebody uh, or conversely a guy like Jack Rathbone steps up and seizes a role in the top six. uh, And, and again, helps out with, uh, you know, a guy that can transition the puck and get you some points. So they're not a total package right now, but I mean, they got a lot of high end elements. The one name I'm looking forward to, and at the time of, of recording this, he's only on a PTO. It would be Danny Cosby. Mm-hmm. And that's one where he he's been hurt a lot. You know, he's probably like the question is how much like was he going to retire this year? Was he done? What, what, what the situation was going to be there? I think though, if he has enough of a training camp, that definitely helps your defense core because he was still playing 18, 20 minutes a night in Detroit, and and part of that was because the blue line was weak and he yep. had to play a lot of time. But it's like again, when you have a guy who plays that much time and you throw him into a lower role, like that might not be a terrible thing, but they have to sign him. Yeah. What's your X factor? My X factor is Elias Patterson. And, yeah. you know, I mentioned this early. If he can be, you know, what we've seen in the past, if he can regain that, that offensive touch, then this team takes it to a whole other level because they have some, you know, some pretty good centers. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have to do it alone. You, you do have other weapons like Brock Besser and Connor Garland. Um, I think, you know, Mikheyev, he'll help out the penalty kill, and he does get an, an inordinate amount of breakaways. He does. Um, but for me, you know, if, if Pedersen can get back to being, you know, like if you could get 90 points from him, uh, I don't know if that's a tall order. But, I hope so. I mean, based on, like, his skill set, like, he should be able to do that. Um, so if he can be that player, then I think Vancouver's in a lot better shape. All right, that's it for the Vancouver Canucks. Actually, since we recorded this, it looks like Jim uh, Nil has signed an extension uh, in Dallas, and yeah, yeah. Jordan Cairo is getting a deal. Uh, don't think the numbers are confirmed yet, but it's reportedly close to what the Robert Thomas's deal was. Okay. So there we go. Some interesting uh, moves there. Uh, all right, the Los Angeles Kings. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that for a couple of years we've been talking about their young guys kind of becoming almost what we expect Anaheim's young guys to eventually be. But LA has just had such a great prospect uh, pool where it, it, there's some strength kind of at every position. Um, but this is a team that when they made the playoffs, gave the Oilers a run for their money, that's for sure. Jonathan Quick kind of had a really good season, uh, which I don't know if anyone expected him to even be the starting goalie with uh, the way uh, Cal Peterson was looking. Peterson didn't really kind of shine there. Um, when we look at this team, what do you like about them? Well, I like the sort of like the floor for them, okay. if that makes like sense. The, you know, we ground. talk about ceilings. We talk about ceilings, but I think the Kings have a very high floor. Okay. Um, when you look at the forwards in particular, 
you know, very experienced with Andre Kopitar and Philippe Deneau uh, down the middle. And then obviously talking about the young guys, Quentin Byfield behind that. But Adrian Kempe, yep. uh, I mean, he was huge last year. Yep. And, you know, with his speed, you know, the sky's the limit. They bring in Kevin Fiala. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, Victor Arvidsson came over last year. Uh, he's always been a very effective player. Uh, and then, you know, fan favorite Trevor Moore, who mm-hmm. I think is from Thousand Oaks. I think they mentioned that once or twice. Uh, n- no, yeah. no, that's 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 new information. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, and then, of course, you know, you get a healthy Drew Doughty on the back end. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the goaltending is pretty solid, whether it's Quick or Cal Peterson. I think they're good either way. <laughs> Uh, it, it's kind of funny, like they have all these great prospects, and whether it's Byfield or Alex Turcotte, uh, Arthur Kaliev, uh, but then you say like, oh man, like do they have room for these kids to actually play, you know, <laughs> get offenses, you know, get scoring minutes? Uh, and it's kind of good in that you don't want to ever give players a roster spot; they got to fight for mm-hmm. it. Um, but it, it is kind of interesting to me where this Kings team is. I think last year they were better than I expected. Mm-hmm. And this year, again, you look at it and it's like, well, you know, guys like Kopitar still have things to give. And I, I think Kemp has been a, a, a very pleasant surprise uh, the past couple of years. It's really kind of elevated them to the point where they they didn't need the kids to be rushed. Yep. The kids could have time. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, they're playing that rookie tournament uh, in San Jose with a lot of the other Pacific teams. And Quentin Byfield's going to be there. And Alex yep. Turcotte's going to be there, uh, even though Byfield, I think he played 40 games for the Kings last year. So clearly they're using their current success uh, as kind of a bonus where they can really put time into developing these high draft picks that they got when they thought things were going completely south. I love the prospect tournaments. It's always a lot of fun. And that was a surprising thing. We're seeing the LA's guys. Like I felt like, yeah, like Byfield and Turcotte, haven't they been in the league for like 25 years by now? <laughs> it feels like we were talking about their debuts a bit ago. But um, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting that they do that. I'd love to see a team be like, you know what? Connor or Dave, we're going to throw you in this tournament. There's no rules. <laughs> Go and score 3,000 points in yeah. six games. Um, but yeah, no, for LA, I let, that's a good thing, a good point where they really kind of let these guys develop at their own pace. And that's a good thing where... No one was expecting them to do great thing, but they were able to get these young guys and, and they accumulate. You have to put them in some ways and like bottom six rules, just kind of ease them in, and they weren't rushing them, which is a very um, exciting or good thing to see there. Uh, I love Kevin Fiala for them right now. Like that, that makes that LA top six a lot of fun to watch. Mm. Um, and their defense is a kind of a mixed bag there for me, um, which again is kind of to me that the downside of this group. Um, they haven't signed Sean Dersey yet. Um, He'll probably, I'd assume he'll be signed soon. Um, but this is one where Mikey Anderson played a lot last year and saw some good signs from him. Alex Edler, how many more competitive games does Alex Edler have in him? Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like a lot of guys where it's like, if Drew Doughty goes down again, that's where the thing starts to get a little ugly. Yeah. Um, but they do have some young guys like Jersey. And I'd like to see Tobias Bjornfoot take a nice step up. Maybe yeah. even Jordan Spence make a step up there. But to me, that's the downside of this group. Yeah, and that's the troubling thing, too, is it feels like when you look at that defense core, it's either guys near the end of their career, like Dowdy and Edler, and guys at the very beginning of their career. Like, I think they have one, like, Matt Roy is, like, 27, but everybody else is kind of, like, 35 If you told me he was 24, I'd probably believe it. Right, But, yeah, I think you're right. Like, the health of Dowdy and Edler is going to be humongous uh, because those guys have a lot of miles on them. Uh, they've had fantastic NHL careers, so not taking anything away, but um, it would be a huge hole if either one of them went down at this point. And and that's a bit of a structural flaw in the Kings that they're so dependent on those guys for big minutes right now, and and, and honestly, just for you know experience. Um, I, I think I agree. Jersey's a big one because uh, he has shown some great things, um, and you know in the past we've seen Sean Walker step up. Um, but I would just, I'd like to see a little more coming out of that defense core. I've a couple of max factors so far up in goalies. And, and for a reason, this division's got some interesting uh, options here. If LA is going to make some noise and continue to improve, they need another great season out of Jonathan Quick. And I don't think anyone really expected the, the 36 year old to kind of have the season he did last year. Um, but like he was, he was fantastic at points in the, that playoff series, and he was obviously good, good enough all year long. Where LA was, uh, 
legitimately a contender all the whole time. And um, at the same time, you want Cal Peterson to kind of be the guy. Like, if he is going to be the guy long term that's going to be your number one, and you're hoping when Quick retires in the next couple of years, Peterson is your guy, you want him to continue to show signs of progress because he showed some promising signs and then kind of just slow down. Mm. This would be his chance to kind of show that. So, to me, the X factor isn't it. Um, but it's also, if I'm doing a second one, is the health of Drew Doughty. You yeah. don't want to lose him. No, for sure. And for my X factor, I'll go with Quentin Byfield. Um, you know, this is a player where even when he was drafted, uh, I was saying, you know, this is not necessarily the kind of prospect that jumps into the NHL right away and makes an impact because he's a big kid with a lot of tools. And we historically, we've seen big centers take a little longer to become impact players. I always go back to Joe Thornton as the prime example, even Vinny LeCavalier. Um, but now we're at a point where I think Byfield, the expectations should be uh, for him to be an everyday player, to, for him to contribute offensively, and uh, to be a, a threat down the middle. And again, he's in a great position where you got Andre Kopitar and you got Philippe Deneau. You know, Deneau in particular, I think, helps because. He can be your number two center, but ideally he's your shutdown center. And if you had, if if Quentin Byfield could prove himself to be a scoring line center very soon, and and by that I mean at some point this season, then the luxury of having Deneau as your shutdown guy on a, sort of a typical third line is amazing, especially if you're heading into the playoffs and you're going to be line matching and you know line matching against mm-hmm. potentially the Oilers with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, so if Byfield can step up and, and be that kid that, you know, was worthy of being the second pick overall, I think that really helps the Kings. All right. So again, LA, not your year, but we're continuing to see progress. And that's kind of the name of the game. Yeah. They're gonna be, I think they're going to be like dangerous in the sense that like, it's not going to be fun playing the Kings. No, no. You don't want to play this team, but you know that they're probably not going to go too far. But there's there's some promising signs still there. Uh, all right, the next, the Vegas Golden Knights. And I like my X factor for them, but I'll save that for, for okay. later. Uh, this is a team that obviously a lot of attention on them this past year. Uh, losing Robin Leonard this year is a huge one. They yeah. put a lot of investment in him. They trade away Marc-Andre Fleury because they believe in Robin Leonard, and they haven't got a lot of hockey out of Robin Leonard, basically, since that happened. Uh, so that's a huge loss. But uh, And then they lost Max Pacioretty. And do you remember what they traded him for? Uh, future considerations, yes. essentially. So he, they traded him away for future considerations. Yeah, so they lost basically one of the team's best players ever uh, for nothing. Uh, and, you know, Pacioretty is going to miss the start of the season, so it's not like they would have lost a whole yeah, lot anyway. wouldn't have had him anyways. Future considerations will have the same amount of points in the first two months. That's right. Um, but that's a tough pill to swallow, those losses, and they didn't have the chance to really fill those those uh, options because of uh, cap space. When we look at the team, what do you like about them? Well, I, Jack Eichel and Mark Stone, healthy. Yes. And contributing Hopefully. at the same time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, this it's funny. Like, the Golden Knights have made so many moves uh, during Kelly McCrimmon's era as GM, uh, but it's been tough to see them all at the same time due to injuries and things, and, you know, just guys going in and out in trades. I'm very intrigued to see what this team can do when it's actually at sort of its full complement up front. Um, because that first season, they had sort of the unexpected offense led by William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith. Um, you know, all those guys are still around, uh, but players have kind of caught on to them for the most part. But, I mean, Jack Eichel, I, you know, he has so much to prove, I think, in Vegas because the haul to get him from Buffalo was so big. And, you know, that's the sort of player that uh, has expectations for himself. Mark Stone, we know he's an incredible competitor. And then, you know, looking at the back end, Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore yep. are still, I mean, major defensemen in the NHL. So, the talent is there for this team to score and to play as a, a pretty cohesive unit. I think, you know, Chandler Stevenson as your number two center makes so much more sense than Chandler Stevenson as your number one center, which yes. is a function that he has had uh, for a couple of years. I mean, this team can make noise. It, it's all got to come together. And obviously, goaltending could be their death knell straight out of the gates. Uh, but... If you're asking me what I like, Eichel and Mark Stone are two pretty good 
example. I'm sticking to my thought that Logan Thompson could still be something. Um, I, we have him in number two in the depth chair, and I'm going number one. But mm-hmm. uh, well, actually, now Aiden Hill's also on the team now uh, since this happened. Yeah. Um, this is a group where I there's a lot to like, especially on the blue line. I think the blue line actually is a, an impressive group. Uh, Jack Eichel um, can be an elite player, I think, again. Uh, this will give him a good opportunity to do that. Like, probably got the best winger he's ever played with uh, in, in Mark Stone. Uh, and Jonathan Marshall is not bad either. Yeah. So that's probably one of the like, the best tools for him to really prove himself. He, you know, last year after returning, like he, no one expected him, unless you're like really crazy. No one really expected him to be kind of the Jack Eichel we knew he could be yeah. because he's still having to kind of like relearn how to play hockey again. Totally. When he was hard, like he was in so much pain. So we, I, we get that. This isn't a proper off season for him. It's going to be a proper regular season for him for the first time since the pandemic. So that to, that's a good sign. Mm. But it's, again, I'll get to the X-Factor after. But when you look at the, the downsides of this team, I think we could just agree the crease. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, was a strength for them for a while. It was. Uh, but yeah, goaltending is going to be very interesting to watch. And, you know, I mean, if I wanted to be negative about it, they essentially have three number two goalies. If you're being nice, they might have two number three goalies. I was going to say, Michael Hutchinson uh, yeah. at times might be a fourth goalie. <laughs> yeah, well, Bressois, Thompson, Aiden yeah. Hill. Yeah. Um, do they have a starter? Uh, I mean, you're putting your faith in Logan Thompson, and hats off to you. Uh, but everyday goaltender, like, that's going to be a big challenge. And, you know, fortunately, whoever's in net is going to have a pretty good squad in front of them. But... The concern is, do you lose games because your netminder gave up one too many early on? Yeah. It's, I think enough's been said already on the Vegas physical today. It's a little scary. I don't think it's going to, it's not going to kneecap them in the regular season because I I think they're a pretty safe playoff team this year. Um, But come playoff time, if things don't change, and obviously they do still have big cap problems. Um, it's hard to see them going far in the playoffs with the goaltenders they have right now. When you got teams that have one A's and one B's, and again, we, I'm not sure they have a one A or one B. It's more like a two A, two B. But yeah. um, when you look at teams like Toronto or, or even Boston, you got a couple goalies on those teams with a lot to prove to show like we are. I want to be the number one goalie, mm-hmm. and that could be a good thing. Vegas. Yeah. That's kind of what it is, but I'm not sure. Kind of like, I need to be the number you, one you, goalie. You, we kind of need to not lose games 6-5. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's we, we still got to have, like, the, the defense will help them a lot, but they need a guy to really shine. Yeah. And they can't go out and acquire a goalie. That's the problem. Yeah, unless they do, you know, major surgery elsewhere. You know, so you're going to take away from his strength to shore up the goaltending. And, and that's tough because, as we mentioned, they've already – dealt away talent um can't trade patch again yeah. exactly you know because of cap considerations and because they traded him but yeah um my x factor though is the entire team right because this team just needs to stay healthy because yeah. last year that group had a, it was a pretty solid group but injuries killed them yeah they didn't miss the playoffs by much and if they made the playoffs who knows what they could have done with eichel again in the lineup this is a group that there was a lot of like okay there's some optimism here and that everybody was getting hurt mm-hmm. that they rarely ever played with a full lineup if this team is going to contend uh and, and make some noise in the playoffs they need this group to stay healthy and you mentioned like mentioned stone those two guys there you really gotta hope are healthy the whole season because yeah. chandler stevenson can't be one of your top scorers all year long yeah with all due respect to chandler stevenson he's a good player last year was a bit his numbers were inflated due to this situation. Mm. I don't think we're seeing that again this year. So you need those top guys to be good and healthy. And I do think they're – we can't guess how their health will be, but it's like if, if they stay healthy, I think this is still a solid enough group. Yeah, yeah I, I think this is a playoff team. Uh, they should be at least. And you know, my X factor, I'm, I'm going to go with Riley Smith. Uh, not in the sense that he needs to step up or anything, but um, you know, if he can have a, a really good campaign, then – that gives them so much more, uh, you know, they're, they're just so much more dangerous because you figure, you know, you've got Eichel and Mark Stone. If, you know, if they're a tandem up front, um, then you sort of spread the love out. If Riley Smith can be a driver on another line, then all of a sudden you're pulling the, uh, the opposing defenses in different directions. And I think that would go a long way to help it. All right. That's it for the Calgary, or sorry, the 
the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's go to the Calgary Flames, number two. Mm-hmm. And this is one where, oh, the Battle of Alberta is going to get spicy. It was not in the playoffs. It was it was <laughs> kind of a bit of a disappointment. Uh, we were expecting kind of just uh, like a destruction every single game. Yeah. We didn't exactly see that. The Calgary Flames is a team that I'm looking forward to watch. Um, they made they had an interesting offseason. They really did. They they had the most interesting offseason. They lost Kachuk. They lost Goudreau. But they went on and brought Huberto. They brought in Uyghur. They went in and brought in Kadri. Like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Like, you lose some key players, and you could debate on whether or not they got the full value out of what they got. But, oh, my, they got a good return. And they went out there and stole Mackenzie Weger. That's going to be an absolute steal. And if they end up signing him long-term, oh, my gosh, it's even better. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting to see how they handled that. But the Calgary Flames, what do you like about this group? Well, I just I like how they're constructed. I think, you know, Brad True Living has done an incredible job as GM. You know, n- losing Goudreau and Kachuk, and there wasn't anything he could do about it. Both players wanted to leave. Um, you know, one went via free agency, one went via trade. But to get the value back that he did, I mean, this Calgary team, they're as good as they were last year on paper. Yep. I mean, I'd be open to debate they might be a bit better because they added Uyghur. So, you know, it's basically like Kachuk and Gaudreau for Huberto and Kadri. Um, you know, which one would you rather have? You'd probably go Kachuk and Gaudreau. Um but then you toss in Mackenzie Weger, and all of a sudden, a defense score that was already great has gotten better. So, you know, do they score as much this year? Maybe not. But they're going to probably surrender even fewer goals. Yeah. So, I think there might be a slight net gain. And, yeah, I mean, Huberto, obviously, tremendously talented. Kadri coming off a Stanley Cup in which he was pivotal. Uh, you know, when he was healthy, obviously he missed some games, but he was amazing in that cup run for Colorado. And then let's not forget Elias Lindholm coming off an amazing yeah. two-way season for the Flames. Um, you know, certainly, you know, Selkie worthy. So, I mean, this team, they, they've got all the elements. You know, and Jacob Markstrom obviously, you know, didn't play well in the playoffs against the Oilers, uh, but still one of the top goalies in the NHL. So, I mean, overall, there's a lot to like in the Calgary. The fact that they added Uyghur to a group that's already got guys like Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, a healthy Chris Tanov, yeah. Shillington, it's like, that's a good group. Yeah. That's a, And then you throw with Jacob Markstrom, who, again, one bad week in the season, and Calgary's done. Right. You throw him in and showing what he was able to do last year in the regular season – this this is a tough group to beat. Um, uh, on the other hand, I'm not loving their scoring depth after the top two lines. No. And, and going out and losing Sean Monahan. Okay, well Monahan wasn't exactly living up to the, the salary he had. Yeah. Not sure. There's a lot of scoring to be had in that bottom six. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, I would agree. And uh, and I'll even in the top six, I'll save that for the X factor, but. I mean, there's definitely a chance for a guy like Jacob Heltier to step up and seize a role in the bottom six where, you know, he's a tough kid to play against, but he does have some offensive pop. Um, so, you know, if he can work his way in there, then maybe, you know, that's a little more dangerous of a, a bottom six. But, yeah, they're, they're going to be pretty top-heavy in terms of scoring potential. And, um, you know, I mean, I would also say you've guys – You've got guys like Hannafin and Anderson on the back end that contribute offensively as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we're talking about the second team in the division in our standings, so there's not a lot to pick on. But, yeah, bottom six scoring, I would say, is fair. Yeah, so I I think the Calgary Flames are still in pretty good shape. For me, the X factor, I'd say, is just how important Uyghur is to this team. Uh, I would like to see him sign long-term for Calgary to really kind of maximize that deal. But even if you get him for one year and you make a good cup run, maybe maybe it's fine. Maybe mm-hmm. that works out. Um, I, I think that that's an interesting defense core that's still got a couple young younger guys kind of that will be important pieces. But when you've got a guy who is one of the best at literally defending the puck, which is important as a defenseman. Indeed. And then you've got a guy like Jacob Markstrom behind him. Like that's that's going to be a tough group to really p- kind of penetrate. So, um, 
as long as that, that team stays healthy, like they've got so much going for them right now. And mm-hmm. again, losing losing Kachuk and, and everything he brings to the table, and losing Goudreau and his offensive numbers, that's that hurts. But yet, get it like Huberto is Jonathan Huberto is Jonathan Huberto. Mackenzie yeah. Weger is Mackenzie Weger, and Kadri can bring a lot of the stuff that um, Kachuk did too. So yeah. I, I think this is a group where there's a good argument to say they're better than they were last year. And yeah. it's kind of, it feels like almost a coin flip between them and the Edmonton Oilers. For sure. And my X factor is sort of the, the duo of Tyler Toffoli and Andrew Manjapan, Um because, you know, you're going to need scoring wingers to play with your, your great two-way centers, Lindholm and Kadri. You know, we know Huberto is going to produce, uh, but you need somebody else to produce as well. So uh, Toffoli and Manjapan, either of them, or at least one of them, preferably both of them, have great seasons. That'll go a long way, especially heading into the playoffs, where you have to make sure the the offense offense doesn't dry up, and you have to make sure that you're not dependent on one or two guys for that offense. All right, that's the Calgary Flames. Now let's finish this off with the Edmonton Oilers, a team that they got swept in the the conference final. But they, let's just say that was still a very positive season for this group, a team mm-hmm. that took big steps and will continue to be a, a true contender for the Stanley Cup. Uh, and uh, not to spoil it, but the, our magazine pick was the Oilers going to the Stanley Cup final. So we, we do believe in this team. Uh, th- this group gets a lot of flack, I think, because of, hey, you've got McDavid, you got Drysaddle. Why haven't you really made it work with them? And uh, you know what? They, they've needed to kind of build around them. And now... They're, they're very close to, to being that team. They got a goalie, Jack Campbell, who yep. should be a step ahead of Mike Smith. Mm. As Mike Smith could be either Vesna Canada one night and AEHL backup the next night. It's kind of just a weird way that he was. Yeah. Evan Bouchard, I think this is a year where he continues to take big steps for his yeah. game. And they've got some scoring depth. The Edmonton Oilers, what do you like about this team? Other than the obvious of the two best players in the world. Yeah, I, yeah. Other than the obvious, I think that you know this is a team that has sort of matured as a group. I like Jack Campbell coming in. I, I totally agree. I think he's going to be a, a stabilizing factor, and and you know he's just the kind of guy that teammates tend to rally around. We saw that a lot in Toronto. I expect the same thing in Edmonton, and you know he, he's he knows guys. You know he's played with Zach Hyman before, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think Darnell Nurse is going to be huge for the defense core. He was great last year. And then we saw what happened to the Oilers when he was hurt mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And, you know, he gritted through it, mm-hmm. but he kind of had to. Um, and I, I guess, you know, defensive depth is going to be a bit of an issue. Um, but I like those high-end elements. So, you know, whether it's McDavid and Dreisaitl or Darnell Nurse, uh, and now Jack Campbell and Nett, they've got those important pieces. You know, Evander Kane has proven that he can produce in Edmonton. That's important for them. Whatever happens with Jesse Pugliarvi, I know that's like the ongoing soap opera out in Edmonton. Uh, but, I mean, statistically, he's been one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL last year. Um, so if you keep him, and I know there's talks about, you know, salary cap and bringing in some other guys, but... If Pugliarvi is in your lineup, you're most likely suppressing the other team's attack, and you most likely have the puck on your stick, on your side. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a group that they went as far as they were going to go last year, but I think they could take the next step to at least get to the final this year. You mentioned Pugliarvi, and he's a guy that gets criticized a lot by people in Edmonton or the media fans, depends on who you're looking at. Uh, I think that's someone I'd like to see him improve his offensive numbers totally from like yeah the, the underlying numbers were still quite impressive for this guy uh his shooting percentage wasn't great but he did a lot of other good things and if he continues to do that be good i would like to see him score a few more goals though um and getting evander kane for a full season from an offensive standpoint should be good obviously there was a lot of the cloud kind of around him when he was signed there but that didn't seem to be a any kind of an issue we didn't hear any more issues and he played well uh made, he was awesome in the playoffs yep. uh so that kind of extra scoring help really did was was a huge thing for them last year now they get a whole season of that so we'll see how that works um for the kind of the the questionable parts on this team um the defense is still another question i think for yeah. me losing a like 
just in the last couple of years, you lose Adam Larson. Uh, Cloughbaum hasn't played in a few years. Uh, you got Duncan Kiefer just retired. So you're you're putting a lot of the onus on these these young guys to be um, something more. And I got like Philip Broberg. I would love to see him have a good year. Oh, totally. And because we know Bouchard's kind of taking the next step. But let's see a guy like Broberg or uh, even one of the, they have a couple other promising young defensemen. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe not high end, but guys who could play a role. So for me, I think that this blue line needs to really kind of continue to show progress because Darnell Nurse, a lot of people were criticizing the way he played in the playoffs. Well, he was playing like half a body. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that wasn't fair. Um, the, the issue was he probably shouldn't have played as much as he did. Mm. Uh, kind of like we saw Jack Hughes of the World Juniors. But it's like, okay, yeah. he's he's broken in half. You probably <laughs> don't need to play him every other shift. Yeah. Uh, Cody Cece took a nice step forward. Yeah. Uh, and and you want to continue to see more of Tyson Berry, but this is a group where you just kind of want everyone to take another step forward. Yeah, and I think you know, in an ideal world, a guy like Philip Broberg and Evan Bouchard bring up their games to the level where you can push down guys like Brett Kulak and Cody Cece, where you know, I mean, they're serviceable veteran players, but in an in a perfect world, they're probably on your third pair. So, or even, you know, your seventh defenseman, to be honest. Um, so if you can get that from Bouchard and Broberg, if those guys can step up, then all of a sudden things look a little better just in terms of the high end. And maybe you're not depending so much on Darnell Nurse um, for minutes. I mean, that's the ideal is you want him to be at his most effective. And maybe that's 23 three minutes a game instead of 25, 26. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's going to be a process, uh, particularly, you know, like Bouchard has more experience than Broberg. So I expect a little more from Bouchard right out the hop, but I mean, Broberg, we've seen him produce offense. We've also seen him be an awesome shutdown defender at the world junior level. So he has the potential to be pretty versatile back there. It's just a matter of getting the reps and doing it. Yeah. For me, the X factor, uh, to go back to the Creek situation, uh, Jack Campbell. I think now they finally, in theory, have the goalie that they were looking for, mm-hmm. the goalie that could take them to the next step. Granted, he has not done that anywhere he's played, but I think that with the Oilers, he might have that opportunity. Um, I think that just given the divisions and kind of how things work, the Oilers will probably have a bit of, a, bit of an easier first-round matchup than the Leafs will. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... With Campbell, you just kind of hope that he's like he, he's at full health because we saw him miss the end of the regular season essentially last year. He came back to the playoffs, and he hadn't really played a whole lot at that time. Going against Andre Vasilevsky yeah. and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Okay, well, that sucks. And here, for I think for Edmonton, he's, he's going to have to be a step up from Mike Smith because Mike Smith hurt them a lot, but also stole them a lot of wins in the totally. last couple of years. So you need Jack Campbell to just do that more consistently, really. Yeah. So... Is this was this the missing piece they needed to take the next step? Mm-hmm. I, I think so, but he he's got to prove it. Yeah, and I would agree. I think I think Jack Campbell is the upgrade they needed. For my X factor, I'm going to say Evan Bouchard because I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm gonna throw it out right now. I think he gets 20 goals this year. Okay, and I think that's going to be that. That is the X factor. Is if Evan Bouchard can take that step and and be a guy that contributes to both uh, ends of the ice, and we know he's a fantastic transition passer um but he's also got a great shot so if you can get 20 goals for them then you're looking at a very wagon-esque edmonton Oilers squad shout out to the former oakville blades ap when i was working with the for local blades he was on the team for i think one or two games and was awesome there he's playing go. power play and it was like second shift of the night Boom. that was pretty cool all right that's the pacific so it's going to be an interesting group. It's a lot of uh, teams with a lot to prove, and I think that is exciting for – can't say this is going to be maybe the strongest division overall depth-wise, but I think at the top you've got a couple teams that are going to be super dangerous. Certainly. And if, if Edmonton or Calgary go to the final, I don't think anyone's surprised. Nope, so I agree. That's uh, that's something that will be a lot of fun to watch. All right, that's it for this divisional preview. It is time for rapid fire. So I have the rapid fire for this one. Let's do it. All right. Who has a better shot at winning the cup in the next decade, Seattle or Anaheim? I'm going to say Anaheim because they have a goalie, they have a number one center, and they have potential number one defenseman in Drysdale. 
Okay, I'm gonna go Fanheim too because I feel like they're closer to mm. getting to that point already. Um, I don't think either of them are actually gonna do it, but uh, I think you're you're gonna hope guys like Zegers and and McTavish live up to the hype and become the stars they can be. Mm. Uh, this is kind of a COVID post COVID question, I guess. Do you prefer watching movies at home or getting a proper theater experience? Uh, I'm I'm going uh, at home. Uh, because, yeah, there's just too many X factors with movie theaters. Yeah, like goaltending like, and poor defensive play. Noisy. <laughs> there could be noisy people. Something could go wrong with the screen. The air conditioning could conk out, and that happened one time oh. when I went to the movies. Oh. It was in the summer. We had, literally they moved us to another theater, uh, and my popcorn is much cheaper than I make at home. So yeah. I, for only time I'd say I'd rather be in a theater if it's a movie I truly really want to see, mm-hmm. and that's almost always just Spider-Man movies. So it's the only movies I go to. The I mean, those would be good ones to see. Yeah, the it's theater. like the, the ones that are super like big I want to go to, but otherwise I don't care a whole lot. Yeah. Um, who will win the cup first? Again, Matthews or McDavid? I think it's going to be McDavid. Yeah, because it could it could be this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with McDavid also on that one, so that's not a really interesting answer. Uh, I just think that this, the Oilers team, is it's they're getting there. Yeah. They're getting there. And, and Toronto's been talking about that a lot, but I feel like the Oilers took step forward. Mm. The Leafs did not take step forward this year. Yeah. So that's my answer for that one uh which heavier band changed their sound to be softer but actually did a great job with it Ooh, that's a that's tough you know what i'll say mastodon okay uh because if you look at their early out their early albums were heavier than their later ones that they've put out they got more just sort of like intricate and kind of proggy later on usually i'm not a fan of this happening you know mm-hmm. like Cave In was the best example because their early stuff was like super hard and then they went a totally different direction and I lost interest. Isis was similar too, where Isis changed their vocals to be more kind of nickelbacky. And it was like I was at the concert where everybody was sort of like, oh no, this is not the Isis we like. Uh, mm-hmm. Because early Isis stuff was incredible. Yeah. Um, so I'll go Mastodon because I'm, I'm not a fan of that happening to bands. But I think Mastodon did it in a way where they kind of aged into it properly. There's a lot of bands that can I grew up really becoming a fan of that have done that. Asking Alexander was one that was like the they were like the kings of metalcore, and then they almost went to like a rock country, and it was like very different. Mostly because the singer could not sing heavy stuff, and they actually he kicked, got kicked out of the band for a few years, came back, changed his voice, and sounded pretty good. Um, I'm Devil Wears Prada is another one, but the one I'm going to go with is Bring Me the Horizon. They went from being like a like a brutal deathcore band to like literally being on the radio, right? Uh, and like pop radio, but they've done such a good job where I'd say that their newer stuff, which is, uh, they, they've done a lot of everything. They did like electro music for a bit. They've done just kind of poppier rock. They've gone back to some of their metalcore stuff on like the same albums, like alternating. But to me, that's a band that went from you would be like scared to listen to them to like now like they're on tv or they're doing like bumpers for hockey down in canada things so right. it's kind of cool so bring your eyes to my pick um the next one is uh what is your all-time favorite underdog story in hockey and i'm bringing that up as the uh there's been a lot of debate and i can't say canada at the 1972 summit series was yeah. an underdog they were but a lot favorites. of people that seem to really make it seem like it was such an incredible like, I know it was a big moment for hockey, but the yeah. best team won a tournament. Yeah, breaking news. That that happens a lot. Yeah. What's your favorite underdog then? The one that comes to mind for me is Holy Cross beating Minnesota in the first round of the Frozen Four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it was one of, like, you know, we were so used to, you know, March Madness basketball where you would have the 16 seed, you know, I, I mean, when I was growing up, the 16 never beat the one, but sometimes they get kind of close. Like, the best you could hope for is maybe a 14 beating a three, maybe once a 15 beat a two. Um, you know, I, I know a 16 has beat a one now, but it's been more recent. But, like, it felt that frozen four with Holy Cross upsetting Minnesota. And even though it was a, it's a smaller field because there's only 16 teams mm. total, that one felt like it was like, wow, like the Gophers went down in the first round to hold, like Holy Cross. Who's Holy Cross? You know, I mean, if you follow hockey, you know who yeah. they are. But, you know, just sort of general interest, that felt like 
on the level of when like Appalachian State beat Michigan in football a few years ago. And I know Appalachian State just upset somebody else yes, this weekend. But yeah, I'll go Holy Cross over Minnesota. I was trying to think of this one, and it's a lot of international games. And Colombia beating Mexico for the first time in the, the Pan Am American Games was a big deal. Colombia ended up becoming a much better team, so then it wasn't underdog. Um, there's also uh, Slovenia beating USA at the Olympics in 2018 was pretty cool. Mm. No one seems to remember that because it was like 3 in the morning. Um, and it was no NHLers. Uh, I'm going to go the most basic answer and USA in the 19 uh, beating Russia. For Miracle on Ice. There you go. Uh, mostly because my favorite hockey movie of all time was Miracle. Uh, and it's just like that. That shouldn't have happened. It's true. That should not have happened. Yeah. Uh, and this one is very much a you question. The top three games to play at an arcade. Like an old school arcade? Yes. Oh, easy. Okay. For, for me, Centipede is number one. Because uh, you get the roller ball instead yep. of the joystick. Uh, number two, X-Men, which you got to play with friends because yes. I think you can play up to five, maybe even six. Uh, so that one's great because, you know, you got all your friends there. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go uh, Galaga. Okay. Uh, just because it's such a staple and it's such an easy, you know, it's like one button, joystick. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go a different way. Sorry, my number three, Street Fighter 2. Okay. Because that was the game that everybody played when I was a kid where you'd line up at the convenience store with your quarter, waiting for your turn. So now that you can play an old school arcade, you can replicate that and get back your youth, which is what people my age do. So we've been at a few arcades on hockey trips, and the one I always start with is pinball. I'm not going to include oh, that on yeah. my list, but I'll, I'll, that's an honorable mention. The Simpsons one. Yeah. Most because that was the very first one I ever played. Arcades were not really a thing when I started yeah. playing games. I was like, at the time, it was GameCube, PS2, things yeah. like that. Uh, so Simpsons is cool. Uh, the Ninja Turtles one. Also good. Uh, and then this one's not totally old school, but it's at every arcade basically now. It's, it's that Mario Kart game. Uh, that was fun. The, yeah. It's we like did a, that in Edmonton. It's very different from regular Mario Kart, but yeah. it's, it's, it's way more balanced. There's yes. like you could probably be terrible at regular Mario Kart and, and still win in this one. I was surprised at how much you could take the steering because it's a steering wheel yeah, yeah. without control like you can basically just go all the way to the side and like you don't drift or sp yeah. spin out or anything i was very surprised by that yeah so i i like the, i like the it's it's a modern one like it's like probably made around marker eight era but i enjoy it a couple characters in the game i've never heard of like the one you were like a trash can thing like i know <laughs> i don't even know who i was so it was kind of weird i'm, Yo I'm yoshi all the time yeah. so all right, that's it for the Pacific Division podcast. Uh, we're going to have a lot more coming up. Uh, in the next couple of days, you'll be seeing our uh, the, the Central Division, uh, I believe it is. Uh, so we're going to keep going along with these. So thank you very much for watching, listening, however you consume it. Thank you again for Sherwood, Benham GM, uh, somewhere on, uh, above our heads. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I can feel myself